All right, well, this morning I'm excited. We're going to begin a brand new series entitled Upside Down and Backwards. And we're going to jump into Isaiah chapter 55. The prophet Isaiah says this. He says, Seek the Lord while you can find him and call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. Look at verse 8. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Look at that first point on your outline this morning. The kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. God's kingdom operates from a spiritual system called the kingdom of God that is exactly the opposite of this world's system. God's kingdom operates in a spiritual system that is exactly the opposite of this world's system. But here's the challenge. Let me just go ahead and kind of cast the challenge out to us today. The challenge is that we have all been programmed since birth according to the world's system. We have been trained, taught, educated, and literally brainwashed by this world's system that is in direct opposition to God, to His kingdom, to His will, to His plan, to His purpose for our lives. We have been so programmed by this world that when we get introduced to God's way of doing things, when we get introduced to God's kingdom and God's spiritual standard and system by which he operates, God's kingdom seems so foreign and so abnormal that we actually reject it. We push away from the very thing that God is calling us into because we have been so programmed and so trained by the things of this world that God's kingdom seems so foreign and so distant that we just can't even fully seem to embrace it. Now let me give you some good news today because the good news of the gospel is that if you've been born again, any born again people in the house today, how about online, any born again people watching us this morning, if you've been born again, let me give you some good news today, you have the mind of Christ. If you've been born again, you have received the ability to access God's kingdom, to know God's thoughts, to discern God's ways, and to walk in God's path for your life. Let's read it together just in case you don't believe me. You know, Pastor Keith, he gets a little crazy every now and then. So let's make sure what I'm saying lines up with the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 16, the Apostle Paul is speaking. He says, But as it is written, the eye has not seen, nor the ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, most of the time when people quote that scripture, they stop right there and they say something really spiritual like, but one day when we get to heaven, we're going to know the things that God has for us. But if you will just keep on reading your Bible, somebody say, keep on. How many know you just sometimes you just got to keep on reading? Because that very next verse, look at the very next verse, but God. How many are you thankful for the but gods? <laughs> but God has revealed them to us 
through His Spirit. Your eye hasn't seen it. Your ear hasn't heard it. Your heart hasn't received it. But God, by the Holy Spirit, has revealed to us the good things that God has planned and purposed for our lives. God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one can know the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know. Y'all say that with me. That we might. Let's say it one more time. That we might. That we might know the things of God. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We can know the will of God. We can know the plan of God. We can know the pattern of God. We can know the thoughts of God. We can know every good thing that God has purposed for our life through the indwelling presence and the person of Holy Spirit. Look at this next verse. He says in verse 13, Now these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Look at verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. You'll never know God through the natural realm. Your eye will never see, your ear will never hear, and your natural heart will never understand the things of God. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. It is without, without the revelation knowledge of the Holy Spirit, it is impossible for you to tap into the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the natural man considers the things of, the God, of God as foolishness. And let's just be honest, even since you've been a Christian, think about this. If you're here today and for all you that raised your hand and said, I'm born again, I'm a child of God. Even since you've been a Christian, there have been moments in your life when the Holy Spirit prompted something in your heart and you literally thought, well, that's crazy. I can't do that. That's impossible. That won't ever work. You ever had those moments? You ever had the Holy Spirit prompt something in your mind? And even in a born-again condition, your natural, unrenewed mind wants to reject the very truths of God and consider them foolish. And the truth is, we have all missed out on moments, miracles, supernatural encounters, divine visitations, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because we were thinking with the natural mind instead of discerning by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit the things that God has for us and I say all that let me just give you another thought here just a little little idea we should understand this also means that we ought not be so hard on the world what do I mean by that I preached a message years ago entitled the dogs will be dogs how many of you know you don't curse a dog for being a dog dogs are dogs and sinners sin. And worldly people live like the world. It should not surprise us that people that are in the world act like the world. When people in the church act like the world, we ought to be surprised. But when people in the world act like the world, it ought not be a surprise. Why? Because without the revelation of the Holy Spirit, there is no transformation of life. 
That's why Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him. It is that drawing of the Holy Spirit. We talked last week how the blood of Jesus has purged our hearts and our conscience so that we become aware of the revelation that there is a God who wants to save us, heal us, and deliver us. And it is through the work of the Holy Spirit that people come to faith. So in the natural man, it's foolishness, and it is impossible to discern and know the things of God. But by the Spirit, we can know the thoughts of God. God's ways which are higher than our ways. God's thoughts which are higher than our thoughts. We can know those truths. Listen to what the next verse says. Verse 15, it says, But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Verse 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? Look at that last part. But we have the what? The mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ through the person of the Holy Spirit. The standard by which we now live our lives is not out there. The standard by which we live our lives is in here. Through the person of the Holy Spirit, God establishes His standard of righteousness and holiness, His standard of purity, His standard that lives and governs the life that we live. And if you allow the external world, the world system, to set the standard of your life, you're going to live a roller coaster life. Because one day it's cool, the next day it's not. One day it's in, the next day it's out. One day everybody's doing it, and the next day you're a fool if you are doing it. But the realization is there is a spiritual standard. It's called the kingdom of God that lives within us by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that changes our lives. Look at that next point. I want you to see this. The kingdom of God invites us to live life at a higher level. To live life at a higher level. God is literally calling us up. He's calling us to a higher level of living. And in order to operate in the kingdom of God, we have to repent. Literally change the way we think and come into agreement or alignment with the Spirit of God who lives within us. We have to repent. The word repent literally means to change your mind. Repentance is not what you do when you get saved. Repentance is what you begin doing when you come to Christ. It is repentance that is the key to sanctification that helps us daily become more and more and more like Jesus. Because if you don't change the way you think, you've been programmed according to this world. And if you keep thinking like the world thinks, you'll keep living like the world lives, you'll keep doing what the world does, and you'll find yourself living short of the glory of God because that's what sin is, because it's in the kingdom of God that we experience the power of God, the presence of God, the grace of God, and the fullness of God manifested in our lives. So I have to repent. I have to change the way I think. And every time I change the way I think and come into alignment with God's Spirit and God's Word. Let me tell you what's exciting about coming into alignment with the Spirit of God. God has given us a check and balance system. Because the Holy Spirit is never going to prompt you to do something that contradicts the Word of God. So God has created a check and balance system called the Word of God by which the Spirit of God quickens His instruction and His direction into our lives that we can affirm and confirm through Scripture. Amen? So we can repent and begin to come into alignment with who God is and what His Spirit is saying and doing in our lives. In Mark chapter 1, look what the Bible says. It says, Now after John the Baptist 
was put in prison. Jesus came from Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. What was he preaching? The gospel of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom of God. And what did he say about this? Look at the very next verse. Saying that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It is here. It is now. Therefore, look what he says. Repent, change the way you think, and believe in the gospel. you got to believe the good news that Jesus Christ is the Savior, the Messiah, that he can take you out of the kingdom of darkness and translate you into the kingdom of light so that you can begin to see, hear, and know by the Spirit the things that are of God. So you can begin to live this upside down and backwards kind of life. Amen? Look at that next point. Because something happens... <laughs> When you come into the kingdom, when you come into the kingdom of God, all of a sudden the battle begins. And the battle begins because this world system is governed and controlled by sin. And when you think about sin, sin is rooted in the spirit of the world. It is rooted in the spirit of Antichrist that opposes and denies anything that resembles or declares the glory or the goodness of God. And you know what sin does? Sin perverts. Sin corrupts and sin distorts everything. Think about any area of your life, and guess what sin will do? When sin gets in your marriage, it'll distort, it'll corrupt, and it'll, it'll pervert your marriage. When it gets in your relationships, it'll corrupt, it'll pervert, and it'll distort your relationships. When it gets into your money, it'll corrupt, it'll pervert, and it'll distort your money. When it gets into your life, it'll corrupt, it'll distort, and it'll pervert your life. When it gets into technology, it'll corrupt, it'll pervert, and it'll distort. Everything that was intended to be good, think about this. In Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, everything was good, and sin came. And sin perverted everything, including me and you. And now there is a world system that is in opposition to God's system, His kingdom, that wants to rule in our hearts and our lives. And so we have to understand this, that there is now a battle. Joyce Myers nailed it on the head when she said it's the battlefield of the mind. And if you've never read that book, you ought to read that book by Joyce Myers. The battlefield of the mind. Because there is a real battle that rages. Because the moment you come into the kingdom and you begin to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is Lord of your life, there is a war that begins to rage in your mind. Because you have been programmed in opposition to God. Think about how we're programmed in this world. Jesus says, bless your enemies. The world says, get even with your enemies. Jesus says, follow the Spirit. The world says, follow your flesh. Jesus says, walk in love. And the world says, walk in whatever works the best for you. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we see this upside down and backwards kingdom. We see a world lived in opposition to the very things that God has. Sin not only, think about this, corrupts, distorts, and perverts, but sin creates and celebrates compromise, encouraging us to do whatever feels right instead of doing what is right in the eyes of God. Sin celebrates and corrupts, celebrates and creates compromise, encouraging us to do whatever feels right. Now let's just be really honest with ourselves today. 
that world system, that spirit of the world has a pull on our lives. And sin creates and celebrates compromise in any and every area of your life. Think about it. The moment that you go on a three-day fast, all you want to do is eat something. Just a little bit, right? Just one bite won't hurt. Many of you know for the last three years I've been trying to lose weight and get in shape. I lost 75 pounds. I've gained back 10 pounds. And, and the other night I was going to bed and I walked by the leftover Easter candy. And there was a Reese's chocolate egg. And I thought, I'm just going to eat one. And when they were all gone, done, I stopped. Ate everyone in the bucket. There was not one left. Even went and poured me a glass of milk to wash it down. <laughs> Sin creates and celebrates compromise. Just one. Right? Just, just one. Just one thought. Just one movie. Just one look. Just one glance. Just one flirt. Just one text. Just one response. Just one. Just one. And all of a sudden, we see that there's a real battle that rages because the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world is in opposition to one another. And there is a spiritual system at work called the kingdom that wants to deliver us out of the kingdom of darkness and allow us to walk in the things that God has purposed and planned for our lives. Look at Proverbs chapter 14. Verse 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. In 2 Peter chapter 2, the Apostle Peter talks about those who have rebelled against God and in their rebellion have become so deceived that now they are leading other people into deception. He calls them false teachers. And they're leading people into deception and into destruction. And as I was reading this scripture this week, I thought what an amazing and yet troubling definition of the world we live in. I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to see if you see our world, our culture in this scripture. Look what he says. They commit adultery with their eyes. They're full of lust. And their desire for sin is never satisfied. Isn't it amazing in our world? It doesn't matter how far people go, they want to go further. It doesn't matter what new technology we have. We want to pervert it. We want to corrupt it. And we want to distort it. So it takes people away, away, away from God. Their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin. They lure unstable people into sin. Let me just give you a, a good thought this morning. Hell has targeted your children. We have an entire generation that all hell, this world system has targeted our children and grandchildren. And if you've got a child or a youth in your family, let me let you know something today. The world system that we are living in is coming at them with both barrels loaded, doing everything they can to distort, corrupt, and pervert their lives. 
They target the unstable. They target a generation of young people that have not yet matured in the Lord, that have not yet experienced God, that have not yet been rooted and grounded in the things of God. And therefore, they are unstable. And all of a sudden, we live in a world that is using social media to bombard the minds and attack the souls and destroy the hearts of a generation. We have a generation so confused that they don't even know if they're a boy or a girl. And that is the world system that we're living in. And let me just give you a word of encouragement from your pastor today. The fact that there is such a bombardment against your children and grandchildren is evidence and proof that you as a mom, as a dad, as a grandma, as a grandpa need to do everything you can to get your kids in church. You need to get your kids in church. They need to be hearing the Word of God. They need to be discerning the truth of God. They need to be surrounded with people that have a heart for God. Because let me tell you why. If you're raising a young person today, let me tell you why it's so important. You have your youth in youth. Let me tell you why. Because you're old in your kids' eyes. You're old and you're out of date and they don't want to listen to you. You need an ally. You need an ally. You need somebody in your corner that's telling your teenager the same thing that you're telling them. You need somebody in your corner that's telling your kid to turn to Jesus, to read the Word, to follow the Holy Spirit, to preserve pure purity and holiness and righteousness in their lives. You need that because all hell has broke loose against your kids. They are bombarded 24 hours a day from the moment they get up to the moment they go to bed. They haven't heard a word you said because they can't hear you because the world is programming them with propaganda and ideas and ideologies that are in direct opposition to the truth of God's Word. And for you as a parent, to take a passive, complacent position that says, well, I don't want to make my kids go to church. Get over yourself. You make your kids go to school. I know they don't get up every day super excited. But you make them go to school because they need an education. You should make them come to church because they need godly counsel. They need godly friends. They need individuals that are young and cool. Not like you. <laughs> Young and cool speaking truth into their lives. I had an opportunity just this week to see our youth pastors, John Wesley and Samantha. We've got an amazing youth team. They're, they're heading the, the, the charge, but we've got an awesome youth team. But I had a chance just this week to see them talking to a young lady that comes sporadically to our church. And she was talking about she couldn't wait till she could do this. And she couldn't wait till she could do that. She couldn't wait till she could do this. And I saw them speak truth to her. And I saw them love on her. And I saw them challenge her. And I saw them confront her and encourage her to go to God and think about that decision. And are you really sure that's what you want to do? And you might want to think a little bit more about that. And why don't we talk about that a little bit later? And you know what I know? I know that that young girl's parents are telling her the same thing, and I know she's not listening to them because they're old. 
But tell me what I do know. I know that when the 20-something cool kids are speaking the same thing that mom and dad's saying, something rattles in their head. Something rattles in their heart. Because now somebody that they do look up to and somebody that they do respect and somebody that they don't have to live with 24 hours a day and enforcing all the rules in their life, somebody else is speaking the same truth that they're hearing at home. And I'm just going to tell you, when I saw that this week, I thought that is priceless. There's not enough money in the world to buy an advocate for your children like you have by simply having your kids in church. Not, not enough money in the world. Because there is a bullseye on the heart of your kids. A bullseye. And Satan wants to take them out. The Bible goes on to say they are well trained in greed and they live under God's curse. They have wandered off the right path, followed the footsteps of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. He was hired by the enemies of God to curse the children of God. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. These people are as useless as dried up springs or as mist blown by the wind, and they are doomed to blackness and darkness. They brag. Look at verse 18. Think about social media. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. Look at me, 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 look at me. I'm amazing, you're not. I'm awesome, you're not. I'm cool, you're not. I'm famous, you're not. I got a bunch of followers, you don't. I'm somebody and you're nobody. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting, with an appeal to twisted sexual desire. Sounds like our world. They lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. Let me just say this to you. The battle is real. And there is a spirit of this world that is in opposition to the Spirit of God. And when you get saved and you accept Jesus Christ, the world does not just let you go. Because you have been programmed to believe the wrong things. You have been programmed to live for the wrong things. You have been programmed to pursue the wrong things. And all of a sudden, there is a pull on you, even after you come to Christ, to fall back into a place of deception. We've all seen people run hard after God, and we were surprised when they went back. To the way they used to live their lives. Because that is the pull of this world system. That is the reality of the battle that we are in. Look at verse 19. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. Look at that next point. When Jesus says, follow me, his invitation immediately requires us to swim upstream. When Jesus says, follow me, and how many of you know that's what he still says today? He still says, follow me, right? Come after me. Be my disciple. When he says, follow me, his invitation immediately requires us to swim upstream because the kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. And here's what I want us to see today. Jesus shifts the focus. Here's our First, upside down and backwards. He shifts the focus from the temporal 
to the eternal. Stop living for this world and start living for an eternal reward that will come. Stop being temporal based and start being eternal based. In Mark 16, Mark chapter 1, I'm sorry. The Bible says, and he, speaking of Jesus, walked by the sea of Galilee and he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting nets into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired hands and they went after him. Jesus says, hey, we got to shift the focus. The kingdom of God is not about temporal, it's about eternal. It's not about temporal, it's about eternal. And we've been fed the lie that it's all about what you can see. It's all about what you can taste. It's all about what you can feel. It's all about what you can own and possess. It's all about what is in front of you. But Jesus said it's not about the temporal. It's about the eternal. Look at that next point. Jesus told the disciples, he said, don't just fish for fish. Fish for men. He's not saying that we don't need to make a living. As a matter of fact, the Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. God's in favor of work. Can I get an amen? amen? Work was God's idea before sin ever entered the world, by the way. He's not saying we don't need to make a living. But what he is saying is that the key to a kingdom life is not measured by what you have. It's measured by who you reach. Don't just fish for fish. Fish for people. Don't just make a living. Build a kingdom life. Build the kind of life that's not measured by how much money you have, but by how many people you have reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. During the 8 o'clock service this morning, I was sitting there worshiping. Jesse was leading us in worship, and Jesse's a painter by trade. And I just had this little thought. Jesse, don't just paint to paint. Paint for people. If you're an engineer, don't just be an engineer to make money. Be an engineer to reach people. If you own your own business, don't just own your own business so you can make money. Own your own business so you can reach people. If you're a stay-at-home mom, don't just stay at home so you can take care of your kids. Stay at home so you can be a person that reaches people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because all of a sudden, Jesus shifts the focus. It's not just about making a living. It's about building a kingdom life. And I was reminded this week as I was praying, I was reminded when Rick Burgess from Rick and Bubba, he stood on this stage a few years ago, and we had a men's conference here at Liberty Church, and we hosted the event. And he stood on the stage, and this is what he said, and I've never forgot it. He said, our world celebrates Bear Bryant's and Nick Saban's. He said, and on earth, we celebrate them, but in heaven, they're nothing. He said, in heaven, God celebrates, and he talked about his dad. He talked about his dad that nobody knows his name, and he talked about how that his dad lived his life working hard to provide for their family, but every day he lived on purpose because he wanted to be a witness for Jesus Christ, and he wanted to use his life to make a difference in other people's lives to bring people to know Jesus. He said, in heaven, they applaud my dad. And on earth, he's a nobody. And as I was thinking about that, 
I was thinking about here at Liberty Church, and I was, I was thinking about how that, how, that, how, that, how that we applaud the Nick Sabans of the world. We applaud temporal victory and temporal success and temporal championships and temporal awards and temporal things. We applaud it and we celebrate it. We're like, woo! But in heaven, in heaven, I thought about how heaven celebrates Jim Posfar. See, see, most of you couldn't pick Jim out of a lineup. That's probably a good thing. Well, Brother Jim spent 20 years going to the Arab City Jail every Sunday for 20 years. Thousands of people came to Christ because of a man that most of you would not even know his name. And then I thought about, I thought about my dad, Papa Larry. And I thought about since my dad came to Christ, he spent his life serving people and serving the church. And I was thinking about how that whenever I was a kid, my dad used to drive a, a church bus and go pick up kids. And then I got thinking about how that in Holly Pond right now, there's a young lady serving in one of the ministries in Holly Pond that when she was a little kid, my dad picked her up and took her to church. And I thought about how that right now in our church, my dad, 70 years old, does a lot of our visitation for me. He goes and visits the homebound. He goes and visits people that are in need. And he represents the church with his presence. And he tells lots of stories. I love you, Papa. He tells lots of stories. And I thought about how that in heaven, Jim Posfar and Papa Larry are celebrities. And Nick Saban's a nobody. And I thought about how many men I know. How many men I know that have spent their entire life making a living, but never building a kingdom life. Chasing more money, chasing bigger houses, chasing bigger barns, chasing nicer cars, chasing bigger boats. And nothing wrong with any of those things. Those things are wonderful. As a matter of fact, if you operate in the kingdom of God, you'll have more money than you need. There is prosperity in the kingdom of God. But that's not the focus. Jesus shifts it. He says, don't just fish for fish. Fish for people. Don't just do what you do to make a living. Do what I've called you to do so you can build a kingdom life. Mark chapter 10. Listen to this scripture. It says as Jesus was standing out on his way, starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked, Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commands since I was young. Looking at the man, look at verse 21. Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad for he had many possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Look at this last point. The kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. The kingdom of God is not about temporal wealth. 
but eternal riches. The problem wasn't that this man had money. The problem was that his money had him. And let me just be honest with you today because I, I believe this to be true. I think that all of us have been de deceived by the lie to some degree that money equals success. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm almost grieved in my heart when I hear young people talking about their career path. And the number one thing driving young people in choosing their careers today is how much money can I make? It grieves my heart. Why don't you ask God, what have you called me to do? God, where do you want me to go? God, how have you formed me and fashioned me for your glory, God? How can I do what you have made me to do? And yeah, you're going to have to work. And yeah, you're going to have to have a job. But that doesn't have to be the driving point of your life. If you live for the temporal, you'll miss it. You live for the temporal, you'll miss it. It's not about temporal wealth. It's about eternal riches. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to. Men specifically. Pastor Keith, just as soon as we get these bills took care of, we're really going to get involved at church. Just as soon as I get the kids out of school, we're going to get involved. Just as soon as I get the kids out of college, we're going to get involved. Just as soon as we help get the grandkids raised, we're going to get involved. Just as soon as we get this handled or the house paid for or the mortgage paid off or the car took care of, we're going to really get involved in what God is calling us to do. It is a lie. There's nothing wrong with money. Money is not good nor evil. The love of money is sin, but money is a blessing from God. And if you got more than you need, you can give it to me. I'll take it, okay? Nothing wrong with money. And money can be a tool that builds eternal riches. Do you hear what Jesus told that man? He said, if you'll sell what you have and give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven. Your wealth, earthly wealth, can create eternal riches if you use it to reach people. But if you just use it to build bigger houses and bigger barns and more stuff and more things and more possessions, have y'all realized how carnal we really are? Have y'all realized how selfish we really are? Have y'all realized how that we allow the whole world to revolve around what we want? I'm guilty. And again, nothing wrong with the stuff. God wants to bless you. But if all you're doing is making a living and you're not building a kingdom life, you're going to stand empty before God. And the world may applaud you, but heaven will be silent. It will be silent on that day. So money can be a tool that we can use to reach people. Or money can be a trap that keeps us from following Jesus. And it's sad to say that I've seen more people trapped by money, and I've been there too. I've seen so many people trapped by the snare of just a little more. Just a little more. Just a little more. Again, nothing wrong with more. But you can make a living and not have a kingdom life. And you can stand before God having no treasures laid up in heaven. And praise God, you'll be saved. But what a tragedy to know that we have wasted what we've been given.
instead of using it for his glory. I, I was reading a little devotional Kelly got me for Christmas last year. It's written by a guy. I mean, he's dead. I don't know how long he's been dead. I don't even remember his name. But he told this story. He grew up and his dad was a, was a trader. And he traded material. He was a merchant trader. And they literally traded on ships. And he said, I remember when my dad gave me my first ship, my first boat. And this is what he said. He said, when my dad gave me my first boat, he said, I felt a grave responsibility because I knew I was now accountable to God to use this boat to build his kingdom. What if every time you got a raise? What if every time you got a new car? What if every time you added on to your house? What if every time you made a new purchase that you felt a grave responsibility to take what God had just given you and use it to build his kingdom? Yes, we get to enjoy it, and we get to enjoy our family, and those are wonderful things that God gives us. But that's not all it is, guys. I can enjoy everything God has given me and still use it to reach others. And I thought, Lord, I want to live my life that way. I want to live that every time I get something new, every time something comes into my possession, that I'm starting to think, Lord, what a grave responsibility this is. That today, I'm now responsible to take what God's given me and use it to build His kingdom by reaching others with the gospel. Let's just bow our heads today. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, He said, Don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And then He says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me ask you a question today. Where's your treasure today? Have you been making a living? Or have you been building a kingdom life? Are you amassing temporal wealth but having no eternal riches where your treasure is there your heart will be also man this message challenges me to my core and I pray that it does you today I pray that right now you're recognizing that we have a grave responsibility not to live for the temporal but to live for the eternal and that is to reach with the love and grace of God. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're watching online and you realize, you know what, Pastor Keith, I, I, I'm not living for the eternal. Maybe you realize today that, that you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you know maybe today for the first time in your life that if you were to die right now, you would not go to heaven. You would spend eternity separated from God. The Bible gives us some good news. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by His grace and that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You have to believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day, and you have to be willing to make him the Lord of your life. Lordship means ownership. God, I'm going to give you the reins of my life, and I want to follow you from this day forward. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I want to follow Christ. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life today. I want you just to raise your hand all across this building, just a simple act of faith. Pastor Keith, that's me. Today, I want to accept Christ. Today, I want to accept Christ. As you raise your hand this morning, we're going to just slip a little packet in your hand. Our ushers are going to come by, but this is a moment. 
If you don't know that you know that Jesus is Lord of your life, today's your day of salvation. Now is your appointed time. And online, you can just hit that little hand emoji. You can write in that comment box, I'm raising my hand. But this is your moment. If you're not ready for eternity, Jesus can make you ready today. But you must, by faith, trust in Him and ask Him to be the Lord of your life. If that's you today, just simply raise your hand up. We're about to pray. I want to pray with you this morning. With every head bowed, every eye closed, let's just pray this prayer together. I'm going to ask everybody to say it out loud. If you're watching online, this is for you. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning.